were, it was, it was a very thin time. So when we were off, we were really off, and that was great. And where are all my pictures? Anyway, that, that experience um, was eye-opening for us in this way. We saw the results of parents giving themselves for the gospel and the broader field of the world and neglecting what Mrs. White calls the garden right outside your door. And so beyond all of those things that, John, that I shared, John in his heart was so committed to young people that he was in the dorm two nights a week counseling. That was in addition by the desire of his heart. The stories, the things that he heard in those private sessions with young people would make you heartsick, as it did ours. And we didn't have any children. And we started saying, phew, you know, what are we going to do? With this, is, this isn't, you know, God doesn't want us to judge, but he wants us to look at the fruit. You know, in the garden, if we want to have good fruit to take to the market, there are certain things that we have to do. And if we see that we've got bad fruit coming out of our garden and we just say, oh, well, it'll go better next time, it'll go, no, that's not wisdom in farming and that's not wisdom in parenting. And so the Lord really laid on our hearts that we couldn't continue what everyone else was doing and think we were going to get a different result. Yes, there was good fruit here and there, and, and we, we mind those young people, what did your parents do? And, you know, but it was not consistent. And so, yes, we said to ourselves, well, we could, stay in, we could stay in this line of work. We can give ourselves to these young people. And we might be able to make it with our own family. But statistically, no, we couldn't. We might not. And you know what? As parents, we have one one chance, one chance to raise those kids. And the Lord started really laying on our hearts. You need to make that your life calling. And so at the end of those six years, we determined to go back. And um, well, before that, and this is what I was going to show you. And I can't believe that my pictures are gone. So those aren't my pictures. Those are the pictures that were there to begin with. But there was a picture of Kirsten. She was born in 91. Jonathan was born in 93. They were both born while we were, um, while we were in Kenya. Our family multiplied. We, went, we came as a family of two to Africa, and we went home as a family of four. And I've lost all the pictures from those years. But we left there, and we went to Andrews University. So my husband could get a master's degree in education. <laughs> we had no clue of what was coming down the pipeline. But I can tell you that that year, that 10 months, was like an amazing oasis for our family. We were so burned out. And we didn't even realize it. I'm sure you've experienced that. You know, you're just going, going. And when you get out of it, you remove yourself, all of a sudden you start seeing, wow, you know? Here's the foundation of our marriage. We'd been married seven years at that point. The foundation was weak. I'm telling you, we were headed right towards the result of other fractured 
family groups. Um, it was um, our marriage had suffered. Our family was suffering. Kirsten was two and Jonathan was 10 months. And even though they're little, children at that young age um, reap the results of parents not investing all that they should. And so that was a wonderful year where we just enjoyed being a family. No responsibilities. We'd go to church. We didn't have to look to see if there was any, if every young person was there. No responsibilities for anybody but us and our kids. And, and I can remember saying, I feel like a bird that has been let out of the cage. Um, God knew what we needed, and that was a wonderful oasis. But at the end of it, now what? And so again, we're sending out resumes. What are we going to do, Lord? Please open up and give us wisdom. And the Lord opened up for us to teach at um, a one-room Adventist school. I have a degree in elementary education and my husband in secondary. And so they hired us as the teaching team knowing that I had the experience with elementary. And so John taught four days a week and I came in one day a week to just sort of help him and give him a break and it gave him a day with the kids. But during that time, I was pregnant with that big tall guy. We were building a house and my husband was in a career that was totally out of his comfort zone. My husband's a very focused man and he was now teaching three grades. The second year, he, he was teaching six grades with 13 students and we were not meeting our goals. Um, so did I say that when we were called to Tennessee, this is where my in-laws were? So this is our farm, and that's my tall Joshua with Grandpa. We moved to the farm with Grandma and Grandpa and tried every way to um, buy a house far from the farm and close to school, which was about a half hour. But the Lord closed every door. We know why now. He wanted us on the farm, and so we built a small cabin on the farm, and that's where we started but as I said, two years into it, John was not, I mean, we weren't meeting our goals. He would leave before the kids got up in the morning, and he would come home just as they were going to bed, and we're saying, wait a minute, we were trying by going to elementary to regain for ourselves some time with our family, and it just wasn't happening. And so the Lord slowly started um, calling to our hearts, and we made that leap of faith. And we left employment. And I want to tell you, the difference between faith and presumption is whose idea is the step. God called us to leave our employment. It was, and I can't even go into how, but it was undeniable. We knew that we had to make a change. And so we did. So we moved to the farm. And when John left teaching, mind you, the Lord did not tell us what we were going to do. We had no clue. We had some ideas. And, and I think that God gave us those ideas to comfort us and to help us to know it was going to be okay. But no, those ideas, the doors started closing, closing. So imagine, we're a family of four, now five. We have a mortgage, and my husband has left his employment, and we have nothing. We didn't have, like, this huge thing to fall back on. The Lord just took us down to being totally dependent on him. And it's a very scary 
but very gratifying place to be. And you just have to learn to trust the Lord. It took time. Um, but the Lord is faithful. So it took 18 months. And in those 18 months, um, we were led to farm. And um, that's a long story. But the Lord, again, made it clear. And I'll say this. I didn't want to farm. I did not want to farm. And I knew the Lord was calling my husband to it. And I was dragging my feet and saying, no way. Lord, I don't. I knew what it was going to cost me personally. I knew that it was going to be over the top and I would be in the garden and not in the home, right? It's a constant struggle for a mom. And I hadn't really embraced the calling then. I can talk to moms today with so much more confidence because of what God has done in our family and for our family. So, But at that time, I had a lot of fear. I had fear. We're not spending enough time in the books. We're not whatever. So why farming? Um, this is This is kind of funny. This is the one I want to be next. Okay, so why farm? Uh, PowerPoint. Technology is so frustrating. It's my lack of knowledge that's really the frustrating thing. So anyway, so why farm for a living? Let me see if I can go back there. Can I go back? I'm going to go back to this one here. Did my son-in-law leave? I should not have tried to go back. Okay, well, forget it. It was a picture of my young family. Um, if you can help me. I have never had so much problem with a PowerPoint. What did you want to be? Well, here. just put it here. This is, okay, thank you. <laughs> At least this is one picture of, actually, those are my children. <laughs> that is our first farming experience. We started as a strawberry production, and we planted our first fall um, 18,000 plants. We did everything the slow way. We made all our own potting mix, which meant we had to sift all our own peat moss. And so that was the kid's job. We put a, we, we set it up, and we'd just put the barrels of peat moss in there, and they'd sift them. So... Why farm for a living? Um, no. Okay, so here's, here's the pictures that you were supposed to see before. <laughs> this top one is Kirsten and Jonathan, and this is how they looked when we left Africa. And this, is, this was our time at Andrews. This was our family at Andrews, and those pictures depict what our life was like there. I mean, we spent so much time just living and enjoying one another. And so then we moved to the farm with Grandma and Grandpa. I can hold it if it would be better. Okay. Okay, so why farming? Thank you that I can see the things that I'm from more familiar with. So this is why. Um, it was God's original plan for man. 
We all know that. I'm not going to take time to read Genesis 2.15. But I want to read Deuteronomy 6.7. You shall teach them. This is in the context of the law and the good things that God has done for you, for us. Diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I would say this. How many parents today have the privilege of giving their children any kind of instruction when they rise, when they walk, when they sit, just that depicts kind of what John shared in the morning session, that quote from education. It depicts this life of actually being together. You, you kind of have to be together in order to give that kind of instruction. And there's not a lot of ways that that happens today. Um, so it was God's original plan. Here's another one. It's God's future plan for man. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. Talking about our life in heaven. Um, it's still the best plan in the meantime. In God's plan for Israel, every family had a home on the land with sufficient ground for tilling, Thus were provided both the means and the incentive for a useful, industrious, and self-supporting life. And no devising of man has ever improved on that plan. I'll tell you, it was that sentence, no devising of man has ever improved on that plan, that my husband said, farming is for us. And he said, I'm, he's always been one. He's going to have the best. He's going to do what's best. He said, what more do I want? If God said this is the best, why would I look anywhere else? Why would I not just stick with what's the best? So here are some reasons why I think God brought our family to farm. And everybody has different, different reasons and different levels that they're going to be involved with agriculture. But for us... Um, these, whoops. This one you already saw. So, okay. So, it brings families together. Modern, modern life tears families apart. The agrarian life brings families together. Um, we've seen that in families that we know that farm. And when the family is doing it together. Um, there's something for every age to do, and everyone feels needed. And that's where this slide is supposed to go. So this is our first crop, as I said. And it brought us together. And in our situation, everyone was needed. This is our work crew. 18,000 plants. Now, God was merciful, and he brought us a few other people to help. But this was the ones that we said, you know what? I know you feel like playing, but we have to do this. This is what God has called us to do, and we're going to do it together. Um, it decompartmentalizes life. You know, modern life is divided into many compartments. And I'm sure we've experienced it, and I know you've experienced You've got your wage earning, you've got your school, you've got your family, you've got your social life, you've got your outreach, you've got your exercise, you've got this, that. It's just this dividing that happens. It's this um, compartmentalizing. Our life just put it all together. 
So we were, were earning our wage, we were schooling, we had our family time in the field, we had our outreach through our ministry, we had our exercise from the farm, and most importantly, we had a lot of time to commune with the Lord. That's a discipline. It's not something that just happens when you're trellising tomatoes. We have some apprentices here, and they know. They know. We would encourage them, work alone. Take that time to seek the Lord. Um, But it's a discipline because, at least for me, my mind is very busy, and I'm always got other things, lots of things on my mind. So the agrarian life brings all the pieces back together. My husband calls it the Adventist advantage. I love that. You know what? It's part of the Adventist advantage that's totally been forgotten. Every Adventist, by God's instruction, is to have a garden. They don't have to be farming for a living, but we are called to have a garden. Um, So it's the Adventist advantage in one neat package. Country living, family emphasis, health evangelism, outreach to the cities, agriculture, eight natural remedies, true education, on and on. Amazing what God has given us through agriculture. And I hope I can share some stories with you at the end, but let me just get through this, and then I hope I'll have some time to share some real experiences that God has given us on the farm. Um, It's healthy for the whole person. And I've, I've experienced that myself. It's healthy mentally. It's healthy physically. It's healthy spiritually. It's healthy emotionally. It's healthy morally. What a safe haven for men. I know why God kept giving me boys. Because he knew we were, we were in the environment that would be the safest. And let me tell you, there's no place that's safe. But there are some places that are safer. And it's a wonderful um, holistic for just social. You know, people would say to us, oh, aren't your children going to be, you know, lacking socially? You know, you're homeschooling them and you live out in the country and you're, no, 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 no. God's ways are so much higher than ours. You know, at little, at young ages, our kids were at markets talking to people, adults, real people, you know. So, no. And I'll just give you one little, um, what time did he say? 9.15. So I'm just going to give you one personal little thing. After the last year's agriculture conference, which was our first, and our family really shouldered logistics and everything, I, I was just burned out. My dad was diagnosed with cancer in July. My daughter got engaged in September. The agriculture conference happened in November. I just had stressor upon stressor upon stressor. My dad died in March. My daughter was married in April. We had six apprentices. Praise God, because they were picking up my slack, but I was not doing for them what I wanted to. Um, We went slamming into our strawberry season, which is our heaviest time of the year. And because of the apprentices, I was kind of able to mask um, how little I was actually on what a low level I was functioning in every way. And for our anniversary, John and I went away, and part of it was to to sit down and really make a schedule. I just said, I've just got to go back to the drawing board. And I just said to John, "I I don't think you realize 
how little I'm accomplishing. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty, not energetic, but I, I'm quite efficient and I accomplish a lot every day. But I knew, I mean, I had all I to, could do to feed the 10 people that were at my table every day for lunch, and that was just about it. And um, keeping the house, but I wasn't working on the farm and I was just surviving. Um, but in June, after our anniversary, I committed that I was going to start going back outside and working in the garden from 5 to 7. That was my quiet time. I was not reading the Bible. I do that a lot in the, in the winter. But in the summer, and I hadn't done it all summer because we had all these wonderful apprentices and they were picking up the load and I wasn't needed to do it. But the Lord impressed upon me. And it was when I got back in the garden that the Lord really healed all of those that stress that I'd been under, you know, and, and it was a wonderful testimony. About three weeks later, John said to me, you know, honey, I think you've got, you've really got your stride back. And we connect it to the garden. I know that's how it was. So the whole, the, um, the world is hungry for good food and real relationships. Social media can't satisfy that hunger. We are seeing that more and more. Large agribusiness companies cannot satisfy that hunger. Small, diversified family farms can through nutritionally dense food and emotionally rich relationships. That can satisfy that hunger. And I could tell you so many stories of experiences with our customers. Um, and I hope to tell you a few. So... I will tell you a few. I'll just go back to that. Now I know how to go back. <laughs> so um, let, let me share with you um, some of the ways that farming puts us in touch with people. I just have to say, Lord, who do I share about? What do I share about? Um, there was a couple that moved from um, Alabama about in 2004, and they joined our CSA. We didn't know them at all. At that point, we were just doing a winter CSA. They joined the winter CSA, and they, um, you know, we had pleasantries with them. But it's my goal to have a spiritual conversation on some level, with every single CSA customer that I meet. And there's more going to be about CSA, so I won't go into describing that, but they're people we see regularly. And so we were talking, and if they say something that sort of, like, gives me the open door, then I just plow through. And this customer was saying something about, you know, really... Um, Things being kind of crazy in the world. This was not 2004. This was later. This was probably around 2009. Because um, we hadn't even really gotten into that part of our farming yet. But anyway, so they were, they were there. They had one child that they had adopted. And so I kind of got to know her on that level. But this one time, they shared with us kind of what I would say was a little bit of 
we know God is calling us to country living or, you know, we just really feel like the world is a mess right now and we're not sure, you know, God brought us here. They moved there. Get this. They moved to our area for the school system and they hadn't been there very long before they started mixing with some homeschoolers. And that was kind of like, so, that, you know, we just got these things going on. Anyway, I gave them the DVD. I don't know if you've ever seen it. That Mountain Media um, did, I think it's called Urban Danger. I just thought, you know what? Maybe this would be an encouragement to them. And I had one. So I gave it to them. They never said boo about it. Never said anything. Months went on, the whole CSA. We weren't doing summer CSA. Never saw them that next summer. Um, but the following winter, again, they signed up for the CSA. And when she came to pick up her first box, now mind you, we had had lots of conversations, but I never said, so what did you think of that DVD? Because that's just, I just didn't feel impressed to, I guess. I didn't even know if they'd looked at it. They didn't say anything, so I figured they hadn't. Um, so anyway, the next season when they came, she, I just never forget, she came jumping out of her car, Pam, she came running. She threw her arms around me. I am so glad to see you. Oh, I've just missed you so much. And I was like, wow, wow. I said, well, me too. I've missed you. And so we got talking and sharing. Again, nothing. But a few deliveries in, something came up about that DVD. And I said, so you watched it? She said, watched it. Yes, we've watched it many times, and I've showed it to all of our family members. And they, at that point, started to look for a country property. And this isn't about us, what I'll say. It's about God, because we are no different than any. I mean, it's the Lord. They, they were using our address as the pin, the center for their search for country property. Lord, it's all in your hands. At that point, we had started studying the Bible with them. We were studying Revelation. They wanted to know. We were studying Revelation. Our family took a sabbatical, and we never, I feel sad about this, we have never gotten back to studying with them. They live about 20 minutes from us, but we have this relationship that is so sweet. Our son, Zach, was baptized about three weeks ago. Who attended? the Thibodeau family. They view us. She introduces herself to people. If she was here, she'd say with a smile, she'd say, hi, I'm the sister that Pam hasn't told you about. Or I'm the one she's been trying to hide and keep in the closet, but I've come out now. Um, so that is what, so same thing. Kirsten's wedding, they attended church. They attended Saturday night activities for her wedding. They were there for the wedding on Sunday. We believe God is going to bring good. So one other story, um, unless John will think of some other ones he thinks I should share, because that one is more about where we kind of stepped out and said, let us tell you about our God, you know, and I'll tell you, they, our customers know that we pray and they ask us to pray for things. That family, we were the first ones to find out that they were looking to adopt another child. We can't tell anybody, but we just want you guys to know because we know you'll be praying that if it's God's will, it'll work out. What a privilege. What a privilege. So another story, this was a neighbor and they were also farmers 
and we knew them very casually. I had probably had the most contact with his wife. Very sad situation. Don't know all the details, but the wife, um, while we were on our sabbatical in Honduras, actually took her life and left the husband, devastated by his wife's suicide. And we hadn't had much contact with him. We knew he had moved away, and I had seen him once. He came by a market that I was doing in, uh, in Nashville, and I had some little interaction with him, but not much. And it was last, um, last fall that John got a phone call, totally out of the blue. said, hey, John, so-and-so, just been thinking of you and just wondered. I had a question for you. You have a few minutes? John said, sure. He said, just wonder um, if you could tell me how you keep the Sabbath. I'm telling you, John was floored. Whoa, how I keep the Sabbath? <laughs> Did you say back up and let me think, find out, you know, well, what are you, tell me. He said, I, I don't even remember having a conversation with you ever about the Sabbath. And he said to him, and this is what I, this was so encouraging to us because it, it proves a theory that we've kind of clung to as the Lord called us to do something that seems like it would have no eternal value. You know, I mean, let's be real. We're not out, you know, baptizing and, you know, other people had higher aspirations for our life our lives. So, but the Lord has given us this certain peace and this, this experience really kind of confirmed it to us. He said, John, you didn't have to say a thing. Everyone knows what you stand for. Your farm is closed on Sabbath. He said, you know, from, I mean, we live in a very small community, you know, but those, he said, they know you, they know what you stand for. And he said, my wife, he'd, he'd remarried. My wife and I have been studying the Bible, and we've come to believe that Saturday is the true Sabbath. And we're attending an Adventist church. And he said, they don't get it. They keep trying to convince us about the Sabbath. He said, they don't get it. We are convinced. But I just want to know, how do we keep it? How do we keep it? What does your family do on Sabbath? Praise God. You know, what an encouragement. What an encouragement. So I would say this has, been, this has been our comfort. This is the real reason that the John Dysinger family farms. We can talk about farming. We can talk about um, many things. But the reason that we farm is because God called us to serve. Before he called us to farm, he called us to serve. That was a very clear calling. My husband would say the most clear calling he's ever had. And the service that God gave us to do is farming. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them ministered to their needs, and won their confidence, then he bade them follow me. And we want to say to our customers, like Paul said to those in his day, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what we want to say. Come along. Follow us. We're following Christ. We together. It's not us. It's Christ. 
They're following him. We just want to direct them and lead them in, in the right path. Um, I want to just speak about this. Um, he ministered, so he mingled with them. To us, farmers markets and CSA deliveries are for the purpose of mingling with people. That's why we're there. We mingle with people. Um, we desire their good. We want them to be healthy. We are health coaches. Our customers know that we live what they would consider a healthy lifestyle. So it's very, very normal that they would ask us, you know, questions about health. You know, what do you think? Or what do you, have you tried this? Or, you know, um, and John and I read recently a book called Joy Starts Here. It's about how people's, people shut down early in life in their ability to live in joy. And in that book, it brings this idea, and, and I believe it's true, that people bond, babies bond, people bond with those that feed them. There is a bond that grows between the one that's eating and the one that is being fed. There is that bond. And we see it with the infant. That's why the bond between a mother and a child is so strong. God gave it that. But I have CSA members that I say, I, I don't think, well, I'm surprised they keep coming back. But I believe it's because there's a bond that is stronger than the vegetables and the pocketbook that pays for those vegetables. They are, um, there's a bond that, that is built between the grower and the consumer. So we believe in direct marketing. We want to know who's eating our food, and we want them to know us. Um, so this, is, this picture depicts what we feel is our life calling, and that is to plant seeds for the gospel. God hasn't called us to reap them. He's called us to plant them, and he, we'd love to be a part of the reaping if he so chooses to have us be a part of the reaping. But he's called us to plant the seeds in our community, in our, you know, in our broader one. He's given us that ministry that combines the wonderful aspects of country living with the outreach and the ministry that happens to the cities. So that's about it. I have just a few minutes if there's any questions or any thoughts or anything that I didn't say that you are interested to know. CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and there'll be much said about that in the, but those people um, sign on for a season, and they get a box of produce from us every week or every other week. So there are people who we see summer and winter, weekly or biweekly, and those are some deep relationships that you can build, and it's for me, that's what I love. You know, my husband would be very happy and content to be on the farm producing the food. And that's why we make a good team, you know, because I couldn't be happy if I was just always in the garden and not mixing with the people who are being blessed by the labors of our, you know, the efforts that we give. So, any other thoughts? Let me just add on that, though. Whenever they come back from market, 
I always want to get a complete rundown. So who did you see? So who did you talk to? What did they say? That's so true. I do, I am it's into true. that, but I can have it secondhand. That's, know, that's right. He doesn't, he doesn't mind me being the conduit that gives him that information. As long as he knows, John, know, John loves to know that what he does is appreciated by the consumer and that they're happy with the results. You'll see lots more pictures of the, the nuts and bolts of farming. She's just asking to clarify if the, the outreach isn't just to our customers, but to our neighbors and other farmers. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there aren't many Christian farmers. And we're in the Bible Belt. And there aren't many Christian farmers. There are a few but they're not very many. And so, yes, you know, one, I'll just say on that young man who works for the largest CSA in Nashville, and it's a wonderful family. We have a lot of respect for them. They were there before us and they taught, you know, we learned some things from them, but they had a worker this summer, you know, just a young kid looked like he'd stepped straight out of the world, but I have a burden for young people. And so I reached out to him at markets and I, I got to know him and he came over one day early in the season and he just said, look at your stand. It is so beautiful. How do you have such bounty? You know, and I just, I'm, I just want to deflect. I said, it's the Lord, the Lord, we do our part, but the Lord makes it beautiful and makes it tasty. I know he, he doesn't know the Lord, but that's what this is. That's just a little seed. We are just planting a seed. I had a, I had a call last week from somebody out of the blue. Now, I don't always know. Anyway, non-Adventist family looking for an apprenticeship pro opportunity for their young person. All they said is, we have heard. We've been on your website. We've read everything there. And we, we really, she said, we're not Seventh-day Adventists. But we are on the same page with you guys, and we just feel like it would be so good for our young person to be there and to stay, you know, to do the apprenticeship with you. Praise God. If he wants to bring non-Adventist young people, we're going to convert him <laughs> by God's power. Nothing we can do. Anything else? Any other? So I'll just say this on a family note. You'll see some of them. So our, our family has very much grown up. Kirsten is going to be 24. She's 23. Jonathan is 22. Joshua is 19. Zach is 18. And Caleb is, seven, is 12. Um, and so Kirsten and Nick are praying about, you know, how. And you'll hear from them. They'll share what's going on with them with agriculture. But they've been very involved with our marketing and um, Joshua's doing the winter CSA. That's exciting to me to see the next generation laying hold and saying, you know what, this was a good life for me. I think this would be a good life, you know, for my family in the future. Um, so planting seeds, that's the reason to farm. So as we talk about all the other things, the financial aspect, the just remember the reason to farm is because God calls you to it and it's a vehicle for ministry and evangelism. Let's pray. Yeah, I, I just want to say a few things before we close with prayer. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to hear all of this. I, I love to hear my wife talk. So, but... It was a rough it's, first half. <laughs> did you have...
I should have been here at the beginning. That's what dawned on me in the middle of, the, of it. But anyway, um, it's okay. But we wanted to lay the foundation here first off. And you may be saying, well, you know, I hope they're going to talk about nuts and bolts. Well, we're going to try to cover whatever you want us to cover. But if you don't get into the, it for the right reasons, I mean, there's just not enough money there to encourage anyone to do it otherwise, if you know what I mean. Yes, can you make a living? Yes, but you're not going to get rich, and it's hard work. Okay, so we just want to lay that out at the beginning. Don't go into this unless you feel the Lord calling you into it. If you feel the Lord calling you, then there's no better place to be. It's, it's amazing. Um, but hopefully she laid the foundation that we'll build on for the rest of the day. And you want to tell them there's also going to be a family sharing that has only started farming. Yes. So they're going to the, have a little the Mrs. Purley is here at the end. So I can just give you just a brief overview. Yeah. We're... The next session, we're going to talk about what is market gardening and kind of what does it look like and some of the details there. And then the third session is looking at what to grow and how to grow it. You know, I'll just say even in seven hours, we can barely scratch the surface. So I, I've just been praying, Lord, you know, help help me come up with some practical tips that you guys can hang on to. We don't want you to leave just feeling overwhelmed. So we're going to try to give you some very practical things. Um, then that takes us through lunch. And then after lunch, there's an hour on marketing. Kirsten and Nick are going to do that. That's really kind of an important part. That's really a key. And then... The next session will be on um, planning and um, what I'm trying to remember the words I used in my own. Anyway, just kind of the, the stuff that kind of blows your mind when you're starting out and it still can kind of blow your mind. You know, how much do I plant? Um, these kind of, when do I plant it? How do I keep track of it all? You know, there's this stereotype that farmers are the, the dull kids that weren't bright enough to go to college, so they stay home on the farm. But when you start getting into it, you realize that this is incredibly cerebral. There's, there's a lot of mental effort that goes into trying to keep all the pieces working together. And so that's kind of, we'll, we'll touch on that. You know, we can't go into details, but again, we're going to talk about references, and I'll point you to where you can learn more. And then the final session will be kind of a wrap-up. Where do you go from here? Again, pointing you to resources. And the Pearlies, we thought it would be nice because, you know, we've been doing it 18 years and for somebody starting out, you may be saying, oh, man, there's no way. You know, that's just out there somewhere. So we've asked the Pearlies to share for a little bit in the last section. They started their first CSA 
what, a month ago? First CSA, so this is like their freshman year in farming. And they're gonna share just a little bit from their perspective and I hope that that will be encouraging to you because they're where many of you maybe want to be next year, okay? So that's a brief overview of the day. But now you can, okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing each one of us here. And Lord, we know you have a plan. And I just pray as we go through this day that if your plan is for these people to become market farmers, that you will just impress it on their hearts, that they will leave not overwhelmed, but leave encouraged that that they can do this in your strength. So bless us through the rest of the day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.